Good morning, glory to Jesus Christ. My name is Anthony Cook, and I'm coming back at you for another week as we reflect upon the Holy Scriptures of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and upon uh, this most excellent Sunday. So thank you so much for joining us here today. Uh, thank you for um, uh, giving us this opportunity uh, to, to preach to you and to allow uh, for us to to take you deeper into this most sacred gospel. So before I begin, um, if you have not gone onto our YouTube page, right, uh, Christ Our Hope on YouTube, please do so. Like and subscribe to us. Uh, follow follow us on there, um, and uh, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll try to uh, keep posting and everything else. So uh, yeah, so yeah, like and subscribe. It'll be awesome. It'll be cool, and we will uh, kind of go from there, right? Um, if you have not, if you do not listen to this on YouTube, if you listen to Apple Podcasts, um, then uh, th- we don't really have a way that we can actually see how um, uh, who's listening on Apple Podcasts. Um, we have some some metrics, but not a lot though. So if if you you do like the Apple Podcast and you like and it is working out for you. Uh, just go on our YouTube page, regardless. Like and subscribe, and uh, uh, go to one of our videos and just say, "Hey, listen, I heard your podcast on Apple Podcast. It was awesome." So or uh, it was um, it was horrible. You know, whatever, whatever you want to say, it's cool. Whatever we, you know, uh, I'm I'm very very easy on taking the the criticism. To be honest with you, and so uh, so if you, there's something you like, then cool. If there's something you don't like. That's cool too, man. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm definitely open to your critique. Just don't critique the content, right? Uh, critique the mode of delivery, but maybe not the content because the content is the truth. So, okay. So let's talk about this gospel this week. Uh, this gospel, the gospel this week is the gospel of the wedding banquet. The wedding banquet. It's actually a pretty interesting. Uh, very interesting gospel reading and I am going to read it here today just because I want us to have a basis of knowing where we're coming from right so let's go and read it it's from Matthew chapter 22 verses 1 through 14 it says the Lord told this parable the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son he sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet but they would not come Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, Friend, how do you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are chosen, but few. Many are called, but few are chosen. Okay, Gospel of the Lord. Okay, so there's so many elements in this, and so uh, I hope that you'll be able to follow along with me. 
and kind of understand kind of the way this this story kind of progresses and the theology that we can kind of deduce from this gospel reading here today, right? What can we understand of the kingdom of heaven from what Christ is trying to tell us in this parable? First of all, let's break down some of the, 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 main, the main parts of this gospel. The first is that we have a king and we have a son, right? We have slaves or servants, whatever, however you want to put it, right? And they are the ones who are going out. They're being sent out, right? And this king who has prepared this banquet for his son has, has done everything that, that you would typically do within a banquet. I mean, like, we in our modern 21st century mindsets may be like, well, what does a banquet look like? And really, if you if think of the reception at a wedding, right? I think everyone here has probably been to a wedding, has, has, has uh, sat through a wedding reception, both good and bad, right? And so they they are all we all kind of understand what that looks like right so the the king has done all this he's he's spent all this money he's done all these things to prepare for this this wedding banquet for his son right and what happens well he invites the people who are who 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 he deems as 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 worthy right and you say, hey, come, come to the wedding, come to this wedding banquet, this wedding feast. It's going to be amazing, right? And th- none of them come. None of them follow this, the servants, these slaves, right? Instead, they, it says, the gospel says that um, they made light of it and went away. One to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them, okay? And so... He says, okay, forget it. The king burns, ravages the city with his troops, okay? But the wedding is still ready, right? The wedding banquet is still ready. So what does he do? He says, he sends out those slaves and says, hey, listen, we need you to go get everyone. Just get everyone. Doesn't matter. Good person, bad person. Give them this wedding garment, right? This wedding robe. And invite them to the wedding banquet, okay? And then we go on to the end, and what do we see? We see that this guy didn't wear his wedding robe, right? And so he, he somehow got in, and the king says, nope, not allowed without the wedding garment, okay? And out you go, okay? So it says, bind him hand and foot, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are coach called, but few are chosen. There are a couple different places that I want to point out to on this, Okay. There's a couple different places I want to point out to on this, and, and we're actually going to get a little bit, we're going to get deeper into this. So first off, we got to understand that back in the old days, okay, whenever a king invited someone to uh, a wedding banquet, right, they would give them a wedding garment, okay, a wedding robe, so to speak. That wedding robe, okay, was basically there uh, to, to say that that was like their, their ticket to get in the door, right? It, you know, it, instead of giving a, a piece of paper, right, they gave a garment that was that was supposed to be worn at the wedding banquet. Okay, so now that we've gotten that understood, we kind of we kind of understand the whole basis of this of this activity, uh, this parable, and kind of what Christ is trying to reveal to us. So first off, the kingdom of heaven. So who is the king? Okay, who is the king? A lot of times we say Jesus is the king, and he is the king. But here's the other thing. Jesus is not the king. 
The king is the father. The father is the king of heaven. He is the monarch of all things. It is from him that all things have issued. It is from him, from his eternal essence, his being, who he is, that all things come to being. So the king is, or excuse me, God the Father is the king, right? So now, who's the son? Well, this is pretty simple, right? Who's the son? It's Jesus. Jesus is the son, right? Jesus is the son of God, right? He is the son of the king, right? What is the wedding banquet? The wedding banquet is very simple. It's the Eucharist. It's the table of of Thanksgiving, right? This place that we go each Sunday to receive Jesus in the Eucharist, right? And it is there that we become one with Christ in the Eucharist, right? And we, we partake of our Creator, and our Creator remakes us into a new creation, right? And so, what? how do we then understand this story? So, the people who were first invited were the Jews. The Jews first, and then the Gentiles, right? That's the way it's always been said. That's the way it's always been been read and that's the truth right so jesus came to proclaim salvation and he he came to call the jewish people to repentance and to follow the mashiach the, the messiah right and and to uh, to live that life right that he had in store for them but they rejected christ they rejected christ and they rejected everything that he stood for and everything that he brought to them and as we heard last week in the parable of the wicked tenants, they threw him out of the hedge field, right? And then killed him. So they rejected him. So what do we see? We see we see this happen where they made light of it, right? They made light that it was the son's wedding feast. They didn't take it seriously. They're like, oh, it's just the air, you know? And instead of being excited about it, with instead of having a, a energy of, of excitement that this is the king's son. He's getting, I've been invited to the wedding banquet, right? Instead of doing that, what these people did was, is they brushed it off as if it was nothing. And so the king says, forget it. So he burns the whole city, right? He he says he sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. And then he said, then it says, the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. So now who is he inviting? He's inviting all people. The Jew and the Gentile. Both are called to the supper of the Lamb. Both are called to the wedding feast, right? In which Christ himself offers himself as bread and wine, as pure as true food for our salvation. Go read John 6, Right? I remember being a Protestant. Uh, I was raised Pentecostal holiness, right? And I, I served for a time in the Baptist church, you know? And I remember looking at John 6 and saying, how do I understand this? How do I eat the flesh and drink the blood of God? How do I eat the flesh and drink the blood in order to have eternal life, right? And unfortunately, it's still a main mainstay mainstay thought inside of the, the the Protestant community that this is a sim, this is a symbol. But I tell you this, brothers and sisters, if it was a symbol, why 
why would God just let him walk off? Right? Let's read John John 6, verse 60, following. Many of his disciples, when they heard it, said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples murmured at it, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you that do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first those who uh, those were that did not believe, and who it was that would betray him. And he said, This is what I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by him, granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples drew back and no longer walked with him. And Jesus said to the twelve, Will you also go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was to betray him. So what do we see? We see that Jesus lets these people walk away. He says that if you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. Right? And then he says, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Spirit and life. Think about that. And so we have to understand that what God is calling to us and what the king in this parable is calling, calling to us too, right, is something more. Something more. And that's what's so amazing about this, this great precious gift and this great precious thing that God was inviting these people to but they just threw it right back in his face they wanted nothing to do with it right but the thing is is that Jesus Jesus is merciful and he's a true loving God he's a true loving God and so because those people who were not worthy basically they they denied God they denied his Christ right he said they were not worthy, so go grab everyone. And who is everyone? It says both the good and the bad, everyone, all the persons. And he gave them wedding garments, right, and sent them off. Listen, brothers and sisters, in today's gospel, we are being called to something more. We are being called to the wedding banquet of the Lord, the wedding feast of the Lord, the Eucharist, right, which is the body and blood of Christ, our God, fulfilling John 6 and what he is asking us to do, right? To eat his flesh and drink his blood. But you cannot go to that wedding feast without the proper garment. Without the proper garment. Inside... Of our church, we have a tradition that ranges even till today that when a person is baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they receive a, a, a baptismal garment. This baptismal garment is white, typically, and it is the wedding garment. It is the wedding garment. That is the garment that they receive, right? And they are chrismated in this garment. They receive the Holy Myron. 
And they received the Jesus in the Eucharist. In this garment, they have come to the wedding feast of the Lamb. This is a, is a prominent activity and custom in our church. The putting on of the baptismal garment represents being clothed in Christ. And having been clothed in the Christ, we are able to approach the wedding banquet of the Lord. This is so important for our life and our understanding. We must recognize we must recognize that God in his love and his mercy is calling us to this wedding banquet. But if we do not have the proper garment and we attempt to, to visit the banquet and to, to partake of the banquet's bounties, we will find ourselves in a worse place. We will have, find ourselves as a worse place. In the liturgy, there's this very specific location inside of the uh, liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, and I want to touch on that today, right? So, um, for many of our listeners, they may not be familiar with the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom. The liturgy of St. John Chrysostom is the liturgy of the uh, uh, Greek Catholic Church. Um, It is, or church is, rather, um, it is a liturgy that is 1700 years old um this liturgy was being done in its earlier form in the liturgy of saint basil the great in the um i think two three hundreds and then um late twos early three hundreds and then of course the liturgy of saint john is just a shortened condensed version of the liturgy of saint basil the great and it's been going on since the late, uh, I think the, the the mid to late 300s, late 400s. So it's a very, very old worship service that the church still uses today for our Protestant brothers and sisters. It's a service. It's a worship service. But it's a very old worship service that the church has used um, for a very, very, very long time, uh, needless to say. So you want to talk about the early church? Here you are, buddy. Here you are, friends. This is as close as you get. You don't get any closer. Um, so there's a, there's a place within the liturgy in the service in which the priest cries out, or rather he used to, they don't, it's not really, it's not really put into practice anymore, uh, primarily because we allow everyone to come to stay for the service, even if they are not able to actually receive the Eucharist, they're still able to stay for the service. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to find it in here though. Um, okay, so here we are. So is the prayer for the catechumens? Okay, so this is the prayer for the catechumens. So after we have a a, a litany here. Okay, and, and the priest says um, a few words. He says, uh, he says a few words, right? And then the choir says, Amen. And this is directly following, um, yeah, the litany, right after the reading of the gospel, right? 
So you have Father, Son, Holy Spirit, now and forever and ever. Amen. And then the deacon comes in and he says, Catechumens, pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Right? And then he goes through. He says, let us faithful, let us faithful pray for the catechumens that the Lord may have mercy on them. Lord, have mercy. That he may teach them by the word of truth. Lord, have mercy. That he may reveal to them the gospel of justice. Lord, have mercy, that he may unite them with his holy Catholic and apostolic church. Lord, have mercy. Save and have mercy. Help and protect them, O God, by your grace. Lord, have mercy. And then it says, Catechumens, bow your heads to the Lord. And the choir says, To you, O Lord. Then we have the prayer for the catechumens done by the priest. He says, Lord our God, you dwell on high and look upon all things below. You sent your only begotten Son and God, our Lord Jesus Christ, to save mankind. Look now upon your servants, the catechumens, who bend their necks to you at the appointed time, make them worthy of the bath of rebirth, of the forgiveness of sins, okay? And this is the key thing I want you to pay attention to, and of the robe of incorruptibility. This is the wedding garment. At the appointed time, make them worthy of the bath of rebirth. That's John chapter 3, right? Anyone who's not born of spirit and water, right? Unite them, uh, excuse me, the, of the forgiveness of the sins, that is the effect. So you take the bath of rebirth, which grants the forgiveness of, the, of the sins, and, and of the robe of incorruptibility, that is what you were clothed in. You were clothed symbolically in, in the physical to represent the spiritual actuality, right, of the robe of incorruptibility. It says, unite them with your holy Catholic and apostolic church and number them among your chosen flock. And then there's an exclamation that together with us, they too may glorify your most honorable, magnificent name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever and ever. Okay, at this point, the deacon dismisses the catechumens. And he says, all who are catechumens leave, catechumens leave. All who are catechumens leave, let none of the catechumens remain again and let all again and again let us of all the faithful pray in peace to the Lord. Lord have mercy. Okay, so we have this activity. We have this incorporated inside of the gospel, inside of the liturgy, excuse me, inside of the service that that we recognize that by the baptism of chrismation the, the the chrismation of the marking with holy myron and the reception of the eucharist that we have been reborn through baptism which granted the forgiveness of sins and clothed with christ in the robe of incorruptibility the wedding garment that allows us to enter into the banquet of the lord and so brothers and sisters we've got to be prepared when we enter into that wedding banquet. For if we do not bring our wedding garment, the robe of incorruptibility, then where are we going? Well, the gospel says it today. Bind him hand and foot. Cast him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, which the Lord reveals to us in another part, another gospel, that that is Gehenna, that is hell. That is Hades, right? That is the place where none of us want to go. Pure separation from God. Absence of the divine presence. A place that is truly hell. That's not somewhere we want to be at.
So what do we see here? And how can we go about living this life of Christ? In our life in Christ, we must reflect sincerely upon the grace that's being bestowed upon us, the divine energies being permeated through us, right? And we have to be cognizant of the, our robe and it, whether or not as we approach the sacred banquet, this wedding banquet of the Lord in the Eucharist, the, the bread and the wine, the breaking of the bread, as it used to be called in the early church, if we are approaching this breaking of the bread in sincerity and without sin, we have to do an examination of conscience before the reception of the Eucharist. And we have to ask ourselves, are we truly living a life of Christ? Or have we sinned? Have we committed a, a real true sin? Not a transgression, not an iniquity, right? But a true sin. A sin is an act against God with full intention knowing the effects of it and then still freely choosing it right what adam and eve did in the in the in the garden was a sin they were told not to eat of the of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good of good and evil they ate of it anyways knowing that they were not supposed to they freely chose to break the law break the rule of god right they created disharmony and chaos by their decision and so, brothers and sisters, we need to ask ourselves, especially as uh, we come forth to receive this most blessed sacrament, we need to ask ourselves, are we truly in a place where we have not committed mortal sin against God? We have not committed a sin against the Lord. If we have created an iniquity against God, or transgressed God in his laws, then okay, let us stop. Let us ask for the Lord for forgiveness, but know that by receiving him once more in the Eucharist, that it will wash away our iniquities and cleanse us of our transgressions. But sin, sin cannot be cleansed except for any way, which is through confession. And if we need to confess our sins, then let us go to the Lord and confess our sins through his priest, the one who he ordained on this world to hear that confession, and through that priest grant absolution. And it's not that the priest grants the absolution. I want us to make completely clear this. The priest does not grant you absolution. But rather, it is Christ through the priest that grants you the absolution. It is Christ himself who absolves you of your sins, not the priest. The priest does not absolve you of your sins. He cannot do anything. He's a man. But Christ, who is the eternal God, who sits on the throne in heaven, who created the heavens and the earth, who formed man out of the dust, he can give absolution. And so, through the priest, he grants the absolution of your sins. And so, brothers and sisters, I'm calling you to, let, let's create a practice, especially on Saturday night, of reflecting upon the Gospels for the next day, 
to pray the prayers before communion, right? There are several prayers before coming to, to Mass, to, to, to Holy Liturgy, right? And we need to make sure that we are there, that we're paying attention to what's going on there, right? That we are going through the canons of Holy Communion and reflecting upon this most sacred action of salvation history when Christ died for us that we might have a life eternal in Him. And so, brothers and sisters, I ask that this week, let's try to make a, a new venture, a new dedication to Christ through the Gospels. Let us let us do an examination of conscience nightly, but if, if not, if that's not possible, let's at least do it on Saturday before we receive the Holy Communion, the Holy Body and Blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us go through the prayers of the Canon of Holy Communion, and let us just make a better effort to be cognizant of Christ in the Eucharist. Christ is the Lord, and he is truly present within the bread and the wine. We can read about that in which uh, the disciples of Emmaus, who walked with Christ all the way to their place, he, they, he, they invited Christ in, and he broke the bread, right? And, and they knew it was Christ in the breaking of the bread, right? And so we know Christ through the reception of this most holy and blessed uh, sacrament, the mystery of our Lord. And so, that's all I have today, brothers and sisters. So, uh, things to take away. Let us uh, reflect on whether or not our robe of incorruptibility is truly incorruptible. Let's ensure that the robe that we place on, that we come to uh, receive our Lord in the Eucharist, that bread and the wine, the breaking of the bread, let us ensure that we understand that it is necessary for us to reflect on our transgressions to determine if we have sinned against the Lord. And if we have sinned, then let us ask the Lord for forgiveness through confession and become right with not only God, but with the body of the Lord, the church, right? And that being said, let's end in a prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters, glory to Jesus Christ. Uh, thank you for joining me today. Uh, please like and subscribe to our YouTube. Um, and I look forward to seeing each and every single one of you next week. Thank you, and I uh, hope you have a blessed, blessed week.